0: So welcome to our new podcast series, Struck by Science, organized by Polish Academy of Sciences Scientific Center in Vienna. In this podcast, we are aiming to start a discussion on the interesting political issues from a scientific perspective. My name is Sonia Horonziak, and I'm a specialist for scientific contacts at the Polish Academy of Sciences in Vienna, and today we are going to discuss one of the most burning issues of the last years, hate speech. We are now living in a challenging time when facts are being mixed up with assumptions and beliefs. Due to the free access to the new social media, anyone can gather the information on any subject from many perspectives. But how to tell which one of those perspectives is the right one? In our podcast, we are sticking to science and trying to resolve burning contemporary issues with a scientific look on them. And in today's episode, we will be discussing the subject that not only stirs controversy, but is a controversy itself, hate speech. We hear it and about it from television, internet, or politicians. We use these expressions quite frequently, but is it right to classify everything that offends us as hate speech? And from the other perspective, is it right to allow such forms of discussion, even if they bear the notion of hatred? In today's episode, we have a special guest who will hopefully help us to unveil the problems surrounding the issue of hate speech. Dr. Liriam Sponholz is a postdoctoral researcher at the German Center for Integration and Migration Research in Berlin. She worked as an assistant professor at the Ludwig Maximilian University in Munich, was senior postdoc in Vienna at the Institute for Comparative Media and Communication Studies of the Austrian Academy of Sciences and Alpen-Adria University. She helped a postdoctoral position at the University of Erfurt in Germany and was guest professor at the Federal University of Santa Catarina in Brazil and at the Complutense University of Madrid in Spain. She is also the author of the Hate Speech in the Mass Media, Hate Speech in the Mainstream Media Book, and expert in the subject of hate speech, media conflicts, and journalistic objectivity. Dr. Sponholz, welcome.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you
0: very much for this invitation
1: and for the possibility to discuss this so important issue.
0: And I believe to begin with the basics is to begin with all. So as you've heard, probably many people struggle to explain what exactly can we name hate speech. So could you please explain to us what do you as a researcher understand under the term of hate speech and what are the common misconceptions about this expression?
1: Hate speech is disparaging communication based on identity factors. Identity factors are factors like gender or race, origin, religion, disability, sexual orientation. Uh, what makes hate speech uh, special is this identity factor. So it's not offensive, offensive language in general, but this uh, This disparagement uh, targets people due to an identity factor.
0: And you said about this targeting people and a little bit about this damage that the hate speech is causing but can you tell us a little bit more about the damage that hate speech can cause because for many it's not so obvious there are voices that one should just not be offended when someone says something towards them but is it really just the case of feeling offended or there is something a little bit more to it
1: It's more than being offended, and it's not necessarily being offended. You don't need to to feel offended by hate speech, since hate speech is targeting just groups that are, uh, we call, historically oppressed groups or systematically discriminated groups. And so it's not targeting everyone, but it has consequences for everyone in the society. Why? Because it targets, uh, it uh, harms our social cohesion. So uh, it's, it, it makes groups do not trust in each other anymore, groups that are building a society together. Uh, it's It harms individuals. We have a array of empirical studies that show that those who are targeted by hate speech and other kinds of discrimination uh, have health issues that we can you cannot explain only with social sta- status or socioeconomic status so it harms individuals it harms groups it harms societies
0: so basically it's Really, something a lot more than just saying that something uh, is, for example, offensive. It's uh, you can say that it's a multi-faced phenomenon. And uh, in one of your research, you also mentioned that there are different types of hate speech. What are the different types of hate speech? How we can different the hate speech r- regarding those the type of it?
1: Yes. Um- Hate speech has many faces. One of them is this offensive language targeting people due to identity factors. The other one is inciting against people or against groups due to an identity factor. When we talk about swearing, about offensive language, identity-based offensive language. Then we talk about hateful speech. It's the kind of hate speech you find uh, uh, particularly by no public figures. Non-public figures are not that used, for instance, to to present themselves in the public sphere, as in the case of uh, social media. Uh, the other kind of hate speech is called hate-fueled speech, and this is the 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 communication of racist groups like Ku Klux Klan, for instance. The uh, third form of hate speech, a third type of hate speech is so-called hatred inciting speech. And this is very subtle. You cannot realize, many times you cannot realize uh, at a glance, because this kind of hate speech is used to trigger, to incite discrimination against groups. It's not targeted necessarily a person due to an uh, identity factor as offensive language. And... Uh, the last form that we know in, in hate speech research is the so-called dangerous speech. is the last and extremist form of hate speech because it unleashes or it um, happens, it occurs in correlation with open violence, as in the case of genocides. Probably the most recent case we know of dangerous speech Was the genocide in Myanmar in two thousand eighteen, and the role of Facebook?
0: Yes, and about that I would like to uh, dig a little bit uh, more because you are often in your books or lectures combining hate speech with mainstream or mass media, with the usage of such a streaming platforms or such platforms as Facebook or maybe. Twitter, uh, why do you turn so often to this connection? Like, do you believe that these are the kind of platforms the, where we can confront hate speech most often? I think we,
1: we should think on hate speech, should understand hate speech as the kind of communication that consciously, consciously or intentionally um, activate an antinomy between people surrounding identity. What does it mean? It means that you you make from gender or you make from race a problem. And now you can think, okay, but uh, when we talk about Black Lives Matter or Me Too, they are also activating an antinomy. But the difference uh, to hate speech is that you are activating an antinomy in order to overcome Inequality and in in the case of hate speech, you are activating an antinomy to reinforce, to uh, confirm, to enhance, or to maintain a hierarchy between groups on the basis of gender. So you are disparaging women or you are inciting discrimination, inciting Exclusion against no white people and this can happen this can happen in every media so it can happen in radio on TV on newspapers on the quality press on tablets and also on social media. The difference is that when it happens and even face to face this is the, be- the the beginning of hate speech research. And uh, the origins, the origin of the concept of hate speech is not linked to social media, but to campus hate speech. That's to say, students swearing, students and uh, professors, academics in general, swearing people that were not white in the USA in the 80s, 1980s, this is the origin of the concept of hate speech. So it can happen in different environments, but what we have to consider is that when happening in mainstream media, you have different forms, different actors, different dynamics as when hate speech happens or when hate speech is practiced in social media.
0: Mm -hmm. And one of the subjects that also arises is the case of the social media regulation, because we often hear about those excessive post removals from Facebook or from Twitter or blocking the videos on YouTube. And is it often described as if the social media agencies themselves are deciding what is right or what is wrong? And do you think this is a good way of dealing with hate speech or it should be regulated completely? differently
1: I think we have to accept that we cannot tackle hate speech without the participation without the engagement without the um, some agency of digital platforms they must participate so we cannot tackle hate speech only with regulation we need co-regulation the point is which role does each social actor play in this regulation. So we must change from regulation to platform governance in which state, platforms, and civil society work together to tackle this problem. What happens today is that platforms can decide uh, with um, some autonomy, what is hate speed and what is not, and this might be a problem. They need very clear frameworks they need very clear criteria to define what is hate speed and what is not, otherwise we are given power, too much power to these platforms. but we also have to accept that the state can the state or uh, law cannot tackle. Hate speech alone, because law is very static. Um, it's not efficient enough. It's not flexible enough to to accompany to follow technological developments. And this is the, the problem, the issue that we see today. Which role we each social actor play? In platform governance.
0: Yes, and about this uh, another type of actors. that participate in this conflict the politicians the political discourse the topic of our today podcast is hate speech in political discourse and uh, how do you think these new forms of communication are inflicting this particular form of discussion because before uh, we used to have uh, a somehow indirect form of political communication like for example politicians presented their stance often of an official meetings when the voters or recipients couldn't really respond to it. They could only do it while they uh, were voting. But now politicians can communicate every day using Twitter or Facebook. But what is more, they can receive an immediate response from the voters. And uh, also, in general, the society has so many more options to discuss politics. And is it something that might encourage the uses of hate speech in political discourse, or is it something else? It's about politics. It's about political communication,
1: and it's about also uh, about social media. Well, which role does hate speech play in political communication? It may, it may play at least two main roles. The first one is to offend, or to threat, or to incite intolerance against political adversaries. On the grounds of identity. So it's the case when the female politician is threatened or swears online. The other form to use hate speech in political comi- communication is as an issue. That's to say, we start. All to discuss, we do not discuss affordable housings anymore. We do not, we do not discuss uh, school qualities or the, the situation in public schools. We start to discuss headscarves. We start to discuss sexual orientation and uh, some issues linked to identity factors and to discuss these issues in such a form that you incite discrimination against these groups or you hinder that these groups have their, their, their problems considered as equally worthy. So these are the, the both forms that you can use hate speech in political communication. Then you have social media. and. When you have political communication, social media, you don't need to talk to everybody anymore. You don't need to, to look for a majority. You can target people almostly individually so that you can provide different issues, different positions according to the individual, to, to individual uh, uh, concerns. And this is the problem because this works like uh, this. this uh, something that at least it does not hinder that the societies get fragmented, and this is uh, uh, this fragmentation may
0: enhance or may open the doors for hate speech one of the most burning issues right now in Poland is exactly what she said it's the fragmentation the polarization of society with a very strong usage of hate speech because in Poland we have not only common users but also high-rank politicians uh, judges that are using hate speech against some groups uh, mainly in social media so they're treating social media as this safe safe space to say everything they want according to their political uh, views or, or beliefs. So, is it something to correspond to your experience and research in, in Austria or in Germany? I hate
1: speech is kind, or uh, it's at least framed by different factors. It's framed. It's particularly in political communication. This can be framed by the political system by the party system by the election system and on the other hand it may be also coined by the media system what happens in countries like Poland or in my country like, uh, Brazil is that many many people are getting information through Facebook so through social media and uh, um, we see a big difference in comparison to Austria and Germany, where 20 percent or 25 percent of the population gets inform- get information from Facebook, and they have a very very strong public broadcasting. So this can help at least to to have another source of information, to trust another source of information. This is a problem that you cannot only tackle uh, with platform governance, but we can do something. It's not, uh, we do not have a situation in which we, social media users, cannot do anything. Of course, we can do something. And this starts with media literacy. We need tools to recognize, to identify hate speech. And the first tool to identify hate speech is to look what this politician is making to a problem. What is being problematized here? And what this problem has to do with my life. So, are headscarves more important to me than affordable housing, for instance? We have to consider that the public sphere is limited. The public sphere, also politicians, they are struggling on attention. And attention is a very, very limited, very scarce resource. So we have to think about what are we giving attention now. What is worthy to have my attention? Um, in this meaning, we have also to consider that we cannot worry <laughs> about many questions in the public sphere. So this issue, uh, uh, public sphere just uh, uh, just can, can comprise a limited number of issues. When a politician is making from a group a problem, he is putting another problem out of the public sphere. So we have also to unmask this strategy because this is a very cheap strategy. We are not going to discuss vaccination. We are not to discussing social problems. No, we start to discuss uh, some group as this group would be our main problem. And this strategy we have to unmask and to
0: name. Okay, and uh, this is actually really interesting because you've also mentioned that uh, in a different countries, people gather information from the different sources, and if there are more sources, more official ones, uh, that people are like to gather political information, this is this is better for uh, for ones to to have uh, their own opinions and to uh, identify that something is is Actually, hate speech, and you also mentioned that the communication uh, when it comes to hate speech is really important. There are of course different types of uh, communication, and you also mentioned that the hate speech uh, does not did not originate from the uh, from the social media. It originated from face to face conversations. But actually, something that really interests me is uh, if. It's a difference when someone uses hate speech like face-to-face to to someone and with a mediation of a computer or smartphone because I feel that there is a difference when it comes to this uh, communication, that when it comes to... uh, hate speech, we feel a little bit, I don't know, more brave, uh, more sure that we can do anything we want and we can say anything we want uh, to, to, to some person or some group of people, as you've mentioned, just because that person cannot answer us or cannot see us in person.
1: This might be the case for offensive language and for offensive hate speech, but it's not necessarily uh, the root of the problem in the case of hate speech and uh, in the case of online hate speech particularly. But you are completely right when you say it's different. Because when you talk to someone face to face, when uh, a person swears another one, on the grounds of identity factor, uh, because of the religion, or because of the gender, or because of the race. First, firstly, you have a context, and this context is limited. And social media amplifies. This is the first point. It's public, it's in the public sphere, it's going to circulate to anyone, it's not going to stop to circulate because it, 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 uh, uh, it's. Uh, it falls in a cloud, in an online cloud that is keeping uh, circulating this content. But it's more than this. Because when you say, for instance, stop slam on the street or in an offline context, you have a content. When you put a hashtag before this stop slam, then you are calling people to interact to, with you. This is the first point. So you are putting this issue on the, in the online agenda. More than this, you are calling people that think like you to interact with you. So everybody that sees Stop Slum with a hashtag before is going to post another, another content or other contents that have to do with Stop Slum. Some of these uh, contents and some of these users agree with you, so you have the possibility to network with people that have Islamophobic views. But it's more than this because you are not only having the possibility to interact; you are not having only the possibility to set in the agenda. You have not only the possibility to network. You have also you have. Also the possibility to bring together actors and contents in this online cloud behind the hashtag Stop Islam. Everybody that looks looks for this kind of content can find. So it's a kind of online library, if you want. So this person can uh, get even more extreme views and then they can get, they can, Mobilize themselves surrounding this issue, so a hashtag stopsla is not only representation; it's not only a content stopsla, is a meeting point.
0: And you mentioned one of the uh, many examples of of uh, hate speech. This this kind of. Uh, hashtags or uh, just information for example stop islam and i want to uh, i wanted to talk uh, also about uh, the differences between countries and uh, the main hate speech issues because for example in poland right now you can safely say and it is not only like the insider's view of the polish person but also from the outside perspective uh, that the most common uh, group that is suffering under the attacks of the hate speech is the LGBT group, LGBT people. And I wanted to ask you from your experience, from your research, when it comes to Germany, Austria, maybe Brazil, uh, what are the most burning issues? What kind of groups are targeted by this this hateful uh, comments? This is a very
1: important question because it varies not only according to the country, but also according to the group. So, for instance, uh, in Latin America, not only in Brazil, hate speech is uh, strongly targeting LGBT people, also targeting LGBT people and women. Um, In Germany, Austria, it's most about migrants and Muslims as a kind of projection screen of migrants. But you have also other uh, other kinds of hate speech as anti-Semitic hate speech and so forth. But these different forms of hate speech regarding the group have also different um, dynamics and forms. So, for instance hate speech against women are usually to target uh, political adversaries. It's a kind of, we call in, in communication science, uh, attributive agenda. That's to say, it's not an issue, it's not a, a, a standard issue, as, for instance, um, uh, Islamophobic hate speech or Anti-migrant hate speech, anti-migrant hate speech, and Islamophobic hate speech are issues. They are um, how can I say alone standing. It's not the case of women. They are not targeting women. They are not uh, making from women a problem. They are uh, this kind of hate speech is used rather to 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 address to target political adversaries. Um, Antisemitic hate speech you find everywhere everywhere, but even in a lower level it's constant but in a lower level and it's encoded and this is very important because anti-semitic hate speech may be a legal issue, so you have to encode it so you these people uh spread uh, messages that are anti-Semitic, uh, for far-right far right group, uh, for Ali, sorry, uh, mainly uh, far-right groups spread anti-Semitic hate speech, but they always uh, erase some symbols, they avoid some slurs, some racial slurs, because they might be a legal issue. So they encode this kind of hate speech. So there are differences according to the country, there are differences according to the targeted group.
0: And of course, uh, based on what you say, and based, I believe, on this. Like internal feeling about the hate speech we want to do something against it we want to fight it we want to eradicate maybe it from the from the discourse not only political but in general but you also mentioned that the law itself it's not enough and I cannot agree more because For example, in Poland, it's a really problematic issue. There is no legal definition of hate speech in the Polish law. Polish criminal court penalizes insults or incitement to hatred on the basis of nationality, race, ethnicity, or religion. But it does not cover the whole spectrum of the subject. You name that, it can be also towards LGBT people, also towards women. So uh, I wanted to ask you, Is this also an issue in, for example, Germany or Austria? Like, how is it that the law itself is not enough to protect the victims of hate speech?
1: There are different reasons. One of them is that uh, it's uh, inherent to to law because what's the role of law? The role of law is to ensure a very minimal level of peaceful coexistence. If you try to regulate all kinds or the the whole uh, bunch of express of forms that hate speech can assume, it might be that you put that you really put freedom of speech uh, in danger. So you you. This is a very, very delicate task. The second point is that in Germany, uh, you have a very ironical situation because Germany was always an example for hate speech researchers before social media. And this is particularly because of the regulation of Holocaust denial which is forbidden, and uh, because of, uh, we call in Germany, Volksverhetzung, this is the legal name of hate speech in Germany, and in Austria, I think it's Verhetzung, Um, but they do not associate Volksverhetzung, that's to say, this legal form of hate speech, with hate speech, because the. Current debate on hate speech is using this term as a tantamount to all kinds of online harassment. And this is very unproductive because neither Volksverhetzung can tackle all forms of online harassment nor all forms of online harassment are Volksverhetzung. Volksverhetzung, this legal form of hate speech in Germany, is mostly about past policy, that's about uh, the Holocaust. So it's not going to to tackle, it's not necessarily uh, useful to tackle what women are experiencing online. Here we need more. We need to address this problem. And in order to address these specificities that women are experiencing in social media, we must make the difference. We must, you cannot use hate speech or, uh, they call also online hate, hashing nets for all kinds of conflicts you have online. This is a, a, the problem, and the third point that we also should to consider. Uh, we also should consider is that um, it's not only about law. Also, when we talk about the role of the state, when we are talking as, about hate speeches, hate inciting speech then we need here really intelligence work to learn who is targeting uh, these politicians, who is making from migrants a problem. In the situation now, Air Force, uh, uh, a couple of days ago, a man from Syria was attacked in, in the public transport, so in the train. And who is is behind such kind of action, and what role does hate speech play exactly in this context? We cannot answer these questions if we continue to discuss hate speech as or everything what is going wrong in social media.
0: And you mentioned something really important uh, that is. The law, the law solutions, uh, will not resolve all the issues or like limiting the subject to, to only the case of, as you say, social media or, or some uh, incitement accidents will not resolve this problem. And we can see that the legal definitions are often uh, not enough to, to protect the victims of hate speech. So I want to ask you about something something I believe for all of us. Uh, us as individuals Individuals, uh, what we personally can do uh, when it comes to hate speech, to acting against it, is there something to stop that kind of uh, aggression? Uh, maybe not according to the uh, to the official uh, laws, maybe not according to the uh, uh, to the some official statements, but uh, just but then on an individual level. We see hate speech, we somehow want to stop it. What can we do about it? First of all, we can make
1: voices um, struggling for diversity stronger. We are focusing uh, too much on haters. And uh, we are also developing... The wrong answers to that. So many organizations uh, for particularly in Germany, many NGOs are very concerned on tackle hate speech by interacting with haters. So when they see a comment of a hater, instead of liking the comment of the counter speaker, they are putting, uh, um, angry, an angry emoji in the comment of the hater. So they are interacting with the hater. They are feeding the hater. They are saying, even unintentionally, this comment is important and this comment is even more important than the comment of those who are tackling racism, uh, homophobia or Islamophobia and so forth. So we must learn to, first of all, to really support those who are struggling for diversity, on diversity and equality, we must learn how social media works, what happens when I put an angry emoji in the comment of a hater.
0: So you're saying that even like the slightest this, the slightest gesture matters in this context.
1: Exactly, because this digital platforms. They live from interaction. This is uh, the way uh, they make money. And they don't care how you are interacting. If you are interacting to, with a anti-racist content or if you are interacting with a racist content, this is, uh, these are two points. Uh, to make people struggling on diversity stronger, to learn how platforms works. And when you learn how platform works, you can do a lot of things. I'll give you two examples that I think they were very good. Um, they, uh, and they they were directed to other users. One of them was a Google bomb, bombing campaign. They four students took the, um, the abbreviation of the English Defence League, EDL, and um, put a, a, run a, a website with the same initials, but made from English Defence League, English disco lovers. So that everybody that looked for ADL on Google went to the paid English disco lovers. This is an initiative of four young students. The other one was during the campaign of Donald Trump with the Proud Boys. Proud Boys is the name of a far-right group. And um, uh, same-sex couples started to post their own pictures and the hashtag proud boys so they took this this label and made from this hashtag a, a trending topic with another message these are two initiatives that are very uh, social media adequate to, for social media that really plays with the logic of social media so, we can do a lot of things if you understand how social media work in order to to use the same tools, the same affordances to spread methods of diversity methods of social justice and so forth
0: and I believe this is this is a great message to to everyone who are listening to us and everyone who are interested in in acting against the hate speech. And with this summary, uh, I would like to end our podcast and thank you so much, not only for this answer, but also for the whole discussion. I believe we clarified some mysteries surrounding the hate speech subject. I believe we understand a little bit more about what's hate speech really is and what it isn't. It's not just a case of being offended. It's not just a case of posting something in social media. It's so much more, but we also can do so much more about it. And my guest today was Dr. Liriam Sponholz from the German Center for Integration and Migration Research in Berlin. Dr. Sponholz, thank you very much for participating in our podcast.
1: Thank you very much for the invitation.
0: And this was the episode of Struck by Science podcast organized by Polish Academy of Sciences Scientific Center in Vienna. So thank you very much and stay tuned for the more episodes. Bye.